if I can be the best Yasmin and role model healthy, positive behaviors, then I don't even have to do too much because everywhere I go, I'm creating that impact in a way where me being me is the gift. Hi. I'm Lance, and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. And in today's conversation, we get to meet mental health advocate Yasmin. And it was a really great chat. She opens up a lot about the power of self-compassion and self-kindness and some of the stigmas that she has seen in her Muslim community and ways to overcome that. And ultimately reminds us that advocacy and action so often can look like us showing up just as we are. We thank Yasmin so much for talking with us and we hope you enjoy. All right, let's dive in. So the main role I have is I'm a program manager of counseling services at a Muslim nonprofit called Ikna Relief. And we're all across the US, but I'm based out of uh, the Southern California office. So I've just been there for a few months so far, and we really focus on uh, providing counseling to those who most need it so it can be accessible. And before that, I was at NAMI, so National Alliance on Mental Illness, uh, another mental health nonprofit. So that's kind of the area I'm, at, I'm in. And I consider myself an educator as well because I'm a mental health first aid and QPR suicide prevention instructor, um, among some other things as well. So mental health is just who I am or like oh, the awareness and education. I had no clue what I was doing or where my life was going um, at first, um, but I I was always a highly sensitive person and I noticed I had really big feelings and I didn't really know what to do with them. And within my family and culture, it wasn't, uh, they weren't really taught like how to validate and just sit with the emotion. So I thought that there was something wrong with me. Like, why am I angry and bossy as a little kid? and rude to people and, and all of that. So when I was in college, I was undeclared and still confused. Like, what do I do? I felt the pressure of, do I choose a career where I can make money or uh, all, all those things? And then I chose psychology. I'm like, okay, at least then I know that I'm helping people in some way, even though that's still kind of broad. And then I just somehow like, uh, well, throughout my own therapy as well. I really benefited from getting therapy. So it was really healing for me. So somehow I just um, found myself wanting to create spaces where other people could also normalize having big feelings. And one thing led to another. I got my master's in college counseling and student services, met some really inspiring students there who were vulnerable. And I could um, yeah, they, they were just vulnerable and I saw it as a strength and then I uh, just ended up here. Oh my gosh, there's so many. But of course, the biggest one I feel that pops out is stigma. So we're here, we're like no stigmas, right? Um, and the, like just the fear of what will other people think? What will they say? And uh, I think that like all of us want a sense of belonging. So it that, that fear of not belonging or uh, it's really scary. So I think that's a big one. And then of course, access to resources and, uh, and the professional support because 
It's like, we got to be real. Not everybody has access to that. I was talking to a man with the intentions of marriage and I really thought it was going well and I really liked him and I thought, okay, here it is. Like I'm 28 years old. I finally have found the person and then it didn't work out. And I was so hard on myself because some of my like relatives and people around me were like, oh, well, he was so nice. And uh, why didn't you compromise or what was wrong? And I felt like I there was something wrong with me for not making it work rather than, oh, it's just two people who are incompatible. So I was really hard on myself about it. Like, oh, well, maybe... I'm too much or I'm too sensitive and I shouldn't have been my true self because why doesn't any man want to be with me? So that's one example. But of course, through therapy and healing and the positive self-talk, I am now fine with being single and I'm like, okay, like I'm like, I don't need to listen to every single comment around me because it's not all true things, which are uh, I have found really helpful with the self-compassion tools which are all research-based it's fascinating like Dr. Kristen Neff has done studies showing that all of these tools they work and they change lives and uh, I'm I'm so grateful that I, I I first watched her TED talk in a group therapy in college and then my whole 20s were all about unlearning and relearning trying to rematrix my brain And one tool is self-soothing. That's really helped me where a person can put their hand over their heart or give themselves a self-hug or any type of uh, nice, gentle gestures towards themselves. Because as mammals, like as humans, we're mammals and we need touch. So that I found really helpful. And pairing that with any type of positive self-talk. So not like toxic positivity and the cheesy (laughs) um, cliches, which are just, yeah, sometimes not helpful, but rather like asking myself, like, what would I say to a good friend in the same situation? And then I think, okay, yeah, it's so good. And then redirecting that towards myself. And I've used it with like my little cousins and older folks. And it's just, it works regardless of who you are. One of the big ones is what will people think or what will people say? It's kind of just in the air. And uh, as I was saying, like the sense of belonging is so needed for us as humans. So if the air is filled with the subconscious energy of, oh, what will people think? What will people think? Then it's really uh, hard to be vulnerable or show up as your like non-social media self. So there, there's that. And then also sometimes there's comments in the community, well-intentioned, of course, but good intentions are not enough that, oh, you just need to pray more or you need to turn to religion more. You need to have more faith. Like you shouldn't say those kinds of things or it's just like correlating mental health or life challenges with not being good enough as a Muslim. I think that's really damaging. So those are a couple of the stigmas. It's really heartbreaking, honestly, because I feel like I there, there's one person who comes to mind who I love him dearly. He's a family member of mine, and he is 
the sweetest person ever and yet the because he because of his own mental health journey and all of that i i feel that he did not get the appropriate professional help early on like early right like it's it's best to get it at, when you're younger if those signs and symptoms are coming and now he's just really so hard on himself to the point where it's it's just a very difficult place and but i see him as such a beautiful person but the way he sees himself due to all these situations that he's gone through is the opposite so he inspires me to try to educate people as early when they're young too like the kiddos like okay like what are some things you can say to yourself because it really sometimes gets internalized and then a person can't reach their full potential and share the gifts that god gave them with the world and even if they don't want to do that like even just being okay to like to accept yourself as you are and it's just really hard i think it comes down to each of us being self compassionate with ourselves and being like if i can be the best yasmin and role model healthy positive behaviors then i don't even have to do too much because everywhere i go i'm creating that impact in a way where me being me is the gift now like thank god i can believe what you're saying and see that oh yeah like i do have an impact but like years ago like it was the the imposter syndrome was so much higher and it's like oh like who wants to listen to me who cares about what i say and i realized it was a lot of like my own childhood things and it's like oh wait a second yes mean we're 29 now we're we're like <laughs> um like you are a gift like i i am a gift so i need to like tell myself that and just one example which like keeps me going is my little i have a little niece her name is zoya and she's 8 years old and i sometimes see myself in her that she is sensitive and super just authentic and i see how as she's growing up it's shifting a little bit and she's less embracing of her sensitivity and she even asked me one day she lives in new jersey i was like she's like oh like uh, yesohala why are you so sensitive and i got to she saw it as a negative thing but i got to tell her oh i love being sensitive it means that i'm human and i get to connect with others and i can embrace my feelings and i could just see her kind of absorbing that and i wish that i had been told that when i was a little girl so that was an example that showed me oh just me being me is creating a self compassionate energy everywhere i go and the more the only way i can create impact is if i'm kind to myself if i'm too busy in a corner beating myself up about a mistake i made 2 weeks ago then how can i really be there for anyone else so i i would say to please get your own healing or like continue your own healing because it ties back to like how you view yourself and like healing your own traumas and challenges from the past that projects 
outwards onto everyone around you. So I think it's just a, a nice reminder to be be kind to yourself so that you can be kind to other people as well. And that's what this, the science shows that like the more we are gentle with ourselves, I think that what I would tell my elders or my parents is to remember to be gentle with themse- themselves as well, to be kind to themselves. And because then they can be more present for everyone around them. And it's contagious, like self-compassion. It's it's not selfish to to give some care to yourself that you easily give to those around you that you care about. And if that's too difficult, then it's okay to seek appropriate professional help because it's a journey. I've been practicing these tools for all of my 20s. It's almost been 10 years and now I can see that it works. And if it's really difficult to unlearn the negative self-talk, then it's completely okay to seek professional help, whether it's a support group or individual counseling or consistent workshops. There's so much out there these days. We're really blessed to have access to the information. The other piece is to really just um, trying to listen, holding space and listening without trying to fix or problem solve or give advice unless it's wanted and asked for. And that's tied into the self-kindness because it'll be easier for people to listen if they're able to sit with their own selves and all the not so pretty parts, then they can um, sit with others as well. I have noticed that my attention span is really short with you know, Instagram and just like zipping through, scrolling, scrolling, like the never ending uh, um, newsfeed. So why I'm, I'm so passionate about in my work to try to get social emotional learning workshops and self-compassion workshops in the schools. And it's, uh, it's needed now more than ever. On a hopeful note, I do want to share that in mental health first aid, we always remind our participants that if a young person has even one caring adult in their life or who's that positive role model or embodying these uh, things that we're talking about, then it can make a huge impact. All it takes is one. So sometimes it's, I get so, I'm an empath. So I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like so much going on with our young people and everybody's suffering and struggling in some way. And then to just remember that, oh, okay, if if there's even one positive person in a young person's life, that is a huge protective factor. I think that I would just say to myself as I'm processing out loud that it's such a journey, like even throughout this podcast, like there, I, I had to like keep applying the self-compassion where it's like the, the talk in my head, it's like, okay, you don't have to be perfect or you don't... Uh, you know, it's it's okay to mess up or slip and not sound smart or perfect or, you know, all those things. Um, so I think it's a lifelong journey. And I think that we just get better and better with practice. And it really 
helps to find other people who are also practicing it because I can't do anything alone. Like there's no way that I would be sitting here without all the, the especially the other women who have supported me um, in my life. So it, we're never really going to arrive at a certain place, but that, that's okay. And we need more safe spaces to be able to practice and mess up and not be criticized, but rather positively reinforced. So I just did a self-compassion workshop last week and one of the tools we practiced um, with the youth was celebrating mistakes. So I said, okay, now who wants to be brave and share a mistake that you made recently and what you learned from it? So everybody reflected and then they shared and then we all cheered. We're like, yes, go for it. And that's, that's the opposite of what I experienced for many years growing up. It was like, no, no, don't make mistakes. You're going to be like shamed or criticized. And I, we all want that gold star, right? Like it's like that pat on that head. Um, but to now be able to turn, to reframe that and teach other people to just celebrate mistakes. And it, it's a practice. It's not overnight, but it really helps. So. Thank you for having my perfectly imperfect self in your space. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas. And you can always reach out at nostigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.